Welcome to the Fatty Z Muskie Podcast. I'm Andy. Joined to my right, I have Vance. Joined to my left, I have Ranger. On the phone, I have Todd Young. Hi, Todd. Hi. How are we doing tonight? I'm doing fine. We also have Bryce Scallion. Is that did I pronounce it right? Scallion. Scanlon with an N. Okay. I'm gonna Scallion's mess. Scallion's an on- onion. Uh, right. the Italian Scallion. The Italian Scallion. There you go. Um, I'm not really We're screwing up already. That's okay. I don't. I feel like crap. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get. Let me tell you this. something. You look it too. Uh, thanks. Okay. I kind of like Vance not being here now. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, big thanks to Fatty Z Musky Products, FattyZMusky.com. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. You can find us in Musky Tackle online. You can also find us at Team Rhino Outdoors for those exclusive colors. Uh, I am currently painting up some show colors. We might also have a surprise up our sleeve. We're not going to say it quite yet at the Ohio show, and there might be something left. We'll see. We're going to see. But it's, uh, I don't know. Vance saw a couple photos. What do you think? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Two thumbs up. Okay, two thumbs up. That's all we're going to say for right now. Um, and they're going to be at the Ohio show, barring any catastrophe. Uh, rod holders, I got a ton of them ready, ready to rock. A lot of people have already asked me, am I going to have this or that at the Ohio show? And we will. That show will be coming up, not next weekend, but the weekend after. In two weeks, we're going to be in Columbus. So we're prepping for that. We're doing our best. So I hope I didn't forget anyone. Muddy Creek Fishing Guides. Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, mcfishingguides.com. Give us a call. We're booking up trips right now as we, as the season goes on, as the off season goes on here, and uh, we'll be down there in the booth down in Columbus. Also, what is it? I think 11th, 12th, 13th January, something like that. So, uh, stop in, get a hold of us, Vance, and I'll be ready to go. We're fishing Memorial Day through November on beautiful Chautauqua Lake, and we'll do our best to get you out there and get you on some muskies. Excellent. Vic Sports Center uh, in Kent, Ohio. Check them out for all your service needs and boat buying needs. Uh, Spring's around the corner. Winter's right now. People are getting their boats winterized. Maybe you're thinking of buying a boat. Uh, Check them out. Check them out. They got Starcraft, Star Welds, Ranger boats, um, and they have a big inventory of used boats as well. and uh, also a big shout out to Ranger Boats uh, for sponsoring this show. Uh, we loved our boats this year, and it's been about a month now, and I'm itching to get out already. So um, check them out. Excellent. Big thanks, St. Croix Rods. Best rods on earth. Um, and Muskies Inc. Todd, do you have a little thing to say about Muskies Inc.? You know, I always have nice things they say about Muskie's Inc. Should I? I'm not going to rap or anything. I don't want to embarrass myself, but uh, yeah, Muskie's Inc. Stop you before. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) check out your local chapter. You know, lots of great stuff. This is a fun time of the year for the clubs. You know, you we just got done with our Christmas parties, and you know, a lot of the clubs are getting ready to have their awards banquets. A lot of neat things going on there. Getting ready, raising raising uh, money for the uh, stocking programs. That's what a lot of the local clubs in Ohio, Pennsylvania do. It does a lot of good for the fishery. 
I think anybody that's interested in musky fishing and participates in the sport at all, you know, I really think it's important to be a member of Muskies Inc. Uh, you know, it's, it, the membership's price of a bait or so many benefits and all it's doing is going out to help our fishery. So check out your local chapter. They have them all throughout the country and, uh, uh, try to get involved if you can, if not just, you know, stay involved online stay involved through the facebook all the clubs have that seem to be going nowadays so lots of ways you can stay involved if you can't make those meetings and be you know on the boards or anything but they're always looking for people for that too so important stuff stay involved get involved even a non-participating member of muskies inc is better than a Mm non-member and I'm, i'm i'm painting a really with a with a broad brush right there but um, you know, it's, it's vital. It's vital. Go out and do it. Join. I mean, at the Muskie shows, generally they have at least one chapter, uh, people there from Muskie Zinc making a presence there. You can, while walking around, go chat, talk to the people. I know like last year at the Muskie Max, Joel was there. Um, mm-hmm. Joel was, what was he, tournament director? Then I think he, he, He's president. Uh, he was. He took over president. Yeah. yeah. He was tournament director. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that it's kind of nice. If you have any questions, you can, you know, talk to them direct, just like any of the bait makers, you know, any of the people vending at these shows. So another neat thing there is you can go there and bend their ears and, you know, see what it's all about for yourself instead of listening to us. So, all right. Bryce, do you have anything you hey. want to plug? Yeah, so, uh, you know, thanks for giving me the opportunity to come and chat, you know, about muskies. But if everybody likes to eat good food, and I just like to give my uh, Scanlon's Famous Ninja Rub a shout. And if you like to use it on any kind of meat, vegetable, Bloody Mary, it's your one-stop shop to spice up your meal. So I'm sure Vance can attest to how good that Ninja Rub is. Absolutely. I'm a, I'm a continued customer of that stuff. I used it all summer. And it's still going. It's one of our favorites. It must have been good because he didn't share with me. Mm-mm. Heck no. It's a go-to. <laughs> well, it was. It's like a. Gr- it's like a a grilling. Were, were, were you eating magic. on those deer that I gave you? The opportunity to hunt. I, I yeah, I did put it on deer steak. <laughs> you didn't get it. Yeah. <laughs> I did. Thanks. He wouldn't give me a pinch, but Mm-mm. all that delicious venison that mm-hmm. hits the ground. Pretty much any protein I put on the grill. Okay. I put it on. Fantastic. It's it's wonderful. But, put it in egg white. Yeah, if you guys want to get some, you can just hit me up on Facebook or get a hold of me, Bryce Scanlon, on Facebook. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Bryce, I know very little about you. and I, I think, did I meet him? Did I meet you, Bryce? Yeah, sure you did. I'm sure I did. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's Chicago. I'm trying to yeah, think. I went to Chicago last year. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, it's kind of ringing a bell now, but it's 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 kind of it's kind of neat because on this show we, you know, like I'm going to speak for myself here. Sometimes we have guests that I know very very well, and sometimes I have guests that I mispronounce their last name because it's the second time I've said it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, tell tell us tell us about you. Let, let's let's first hear about that because I think you have an interesting story. What got you into muskie well, fishing? Um, so, you know, I've I fished my whole life, and when I played college football, I ended up out here in South Ogden, Utah, and 
about 12 years ago, we were up fishing at this lake called Pineview and we didn't know what was in it. We were just throwing crankbaits and my buddy caught like a 20 inch tiger and it kind of started from there, you know, and blossomed into a full blown addiction. And, you know, I put in my time, I've studied, but just, I want to catch the hardest, the biggest, the, the most difficult fish to catch. Anybody can catch rainbow trout. You know, I, I just, I like doing stuff that not everybody can do. And the tigers out here is what, what intrigued me. And they, they're just unpredictable. You know, they got the pike in them. They're bipolar. They got the pike and the muskie. So I kind of <laughs> fell in love with chasing them. So, That's awesome. Yeah. Where did, where did you play football at? Um, at a high school, I got a scholarship to the university of Utah and played there for two years. And then I transferred to South Ogden where Weber state university to division one double a school and pine views 10 minutes. So we were up there every day and I spent a lot of time up there. And when I got married, I told my wife at the time that I'm living here the rest of my life because I've got monster brown trout, monster lake trout, the best tiger lake in the country and monster walleye. Why, why would I want to move anywhere else? You know, mm-hmm. so just, just absolutely beautiful country. That's the neat thing. I, I like looking at your pictures when I get to see you on, on Facebook. The scenery is, is a lot different to what we're used to out here. <laughs> Oh yeah, you, in my backyard there's a twelve thousand foot mountain, so yeah. and that's like a two a mile from my back door, so it's oh, it's pretty neat, you know. We we got all four seasons and it's beautiful out here. Did uh so you said you were fishing every day, like when you were playing ball and stuff like that. Did uh did that mess with you know, like workouts and, and things like that to where you're just more interested in the fish than actually playing or Oh no, no. Football's my life. That's People ask what I studied in college. It was football. But, you know, during the summer when, when we're not in school, I was literally up there five days a week. We'd get a workout done, 6 a.m. workout. Went up to the lake and fished for ba- the bass, the muskie. And I, fishing is my life. And I got I tell people, who are you? I say I have four Fs, fishing, family, food, and friends. Like, pretty basic. <laughs> so how many lakes? Is, is this Pine View? Is that the only place you have that, that has the tigers, or are there, are there other fisheries in the area? I believe there's four now. we got Pine View Reservoir, which has, of course, the biggest tigers. Then we got a lake called Newton, about 40 miles from me. That It's a tiny, tiny lake that they load up with muskies, but the problem out here is we have reservoirs, so the water fluctuates, so the these smaller reservoirs can go dry and they can wipe out 90% of the fish, so we got that Newton, and we got another lake called Joe's Valley that is going to produce 50-inch muskies, 50-inch tigers, and then I think there's like two more that are just coming up. But Joe's Valley will be on the map here soon for producing a a world-class tiger because they're so fat. They're a they're a lake that's full of um, trout and chubs, so the they get fat. They're super fat yeah. down there. How long have those fisheries been? I mean, I, I don't know if you'll know this or not, but how, how long ago did they start introducing those fish out there in that area? I believe, I believe the tigers and pine view have been there about twenty five ish years, I believe, and okay. every other every other lake's around, I'd say, ten to twelve. But mm-hmm. you know, we live in a totally dominant a trout dominant state, so these people think, just like in Minnesota and anywhere else, that the muskies, the tigers, the muskies kill the walleye and they kill the yeah. trout. Well, that's the farthest from the truth out here we got when when we have a ton of muskies we have the biggest crappie the biggest perch the biggest bass you know so these people 
freak out when we put tigers in their trout lakes because they think it's going to ruin the fishery. They don't understand the, mm-hmm. the whole science behind what's going on. Have you had a run-in with any other anglers when you're out there, you know, fishing for these muskies and these people are, you know, fishing for other species? Any conflict? No, luckily, you know, people, it's like uh, they talk a lot of smack on the forums, but you, they, you don't see, it's not on the lake, you know, it's, they, they realize, why would I go to Pineview when, you know, there's no trout there, they're going to go somewhere else, so. It, it hasn't been that big, big of a problem, but you do hear on the forums people just bashing how they ruined the fishery, and then the people who fish Pineview who catch monster crappie and you know perch like you, you're you're doing something wrong because I'm catching 15 inch crappie. And, <laughs> you know, like what's the problem? You know, so mm-hmm. luckily there's not that big of a conflict out here like you see in other parts of the the U.S. where the they blame the muskies for wiping out fisheries. I mean, is, is there like, like what, what kind of angler density are you dealing with on, on like any given, you know, I'm trying to paint, I'm painting a picture of like, what does, what does the lake look like other than just, it's a lake and you're out there fishing it. Do you have to wait in line at the boat launch? Is it shoulder to shoulder on the shore? So this lake, Pineview is a rec, a rec lake. So in the summer, like it'll be literally, you can wait an hour to launch your boat, but you know if you're a muskie when you're up at the lake by four o'clock, you know, an hour before sunset, sunrise. And, but it is a party boat. Lake it's like Tonka, Minnetonka where it's just insane. You're fighting jet skis running over your lines when you're trolling. I mean, it's, you launch a mad dog at a boat. They, they don't come by you anymore, but then you have the sheriffs coming over asking what you're doing, you know? So it's a pretty, it's a crazy lake, but from ISOFT, it's we're open all year long here. Luckily there's no season, but, from ice off to about June, you had the lake to yourself. But then on a Saturday in July, like, it's crazy. How big is the lake? I believe it's 2,900 square or 2,900 square feet or acres. Whatever. Acres. 2,900 acres. Acres. Yeah. Acres. Yeah. Acres. yeah. So, so that's, not very big. That's not very big. Yeah. No, that's like Presque Isle Bay. Yeah. That's a tiny, tiny. Pretty small. Yeah, and you start packing Pretty those small. pleasure boaters on there. We're used to all that stuff as well. They can really. It looks like you have a lot of. It looks like you have a lot of bays and fingers in that lake, or no? Yeah, yeah. There's three. There's three three rivers that come into the lake, so there's three main fingers, or there's actually four fingers that feed the lake, and then the neck down down by the uh, where the dam is. But like you know, it's ninety percent of the fish sit on ten percent of the lake. So yeah. So the, the spots that everybody catches fish get hammered. There's some spots that everybody goes to, and you're, you can wait in line to hit that spot. You can be the four, fourth boat through and catch fish versus first person to the spot. So yeah. pretty cool lake because if you know it well, you know every hump and bump, and you can pull fish behind people who beat you to the spot. So now are you dealing with, uh, like, flooded timber out there, weed beds? Or just like you're, you're, I mean, around here when, you know, the word reservoir is just like deep shorelines, very, very limited, shallow flats to fish, you know? So for us, like we have, like anything, you know, the points, the windblown points are always good spots, but the lake is, the east end is, the fingers are all big, fat, big, flat bays that 
are all covered in weeds and you get, you can fish it for about three months before July, August, before they're choked out with weeds. Nice. And then you can go open water fish. There's a couple of humps that people are tr- starting to figure out. You know, they see us in the middle of nowhere casting these humps and they don't understand why, but there's reasons. And so, yeah, there's just every time, the par- every, every, uh, certain times of the year, the spots hold fish and the last few years to be able to figure those spots out versus just pounding shoreline. That, I mean, that's yeah. probably the most consistent way to catch fish here is you just pound shoreline and, and then, but yeah, it's mostly, there's no flooded timber. I mean, we got trees when the water's high, but when the water's low, it's, it's all contour trolling and knowing what's underneath you. So do you do more trolling or uh, do you do a mix of both cast and troll? I'm not going to, I prefer to cast, but our troll bite when it's on, it's insane because these fish will go open water and they'll just stack and smash and bait fish, you know? So the, we cast till about July and then we'll cast in the mornings, get the top water bites off till by in the morning and then troll till the afternoon. And, but it, I like to mix it up. This year was all my big fish came on the cast, which normally my bigger fish come on the troll, but who doesn't like catching big fish casting? I mean, I yeah. love it. Heck yeah. Sure. Now, is this, is this lake that you're at? I mean, cause what, what do you think? There's, 2300 miles between us <laughs> yeah um, is it is it is it like flood control or is it like feeding a town with water or something so that's the thing it's all so it's all for irrigation and the farmers so they fill it up and then it can drop 25 feet so it condenses the fish when it drops but it also hurts if they drop it too early it hurts the spawn for the crappie the bluegill the perch so mm-hmm. it all depends on how much water we get up here because since we're basically desert and all our lakes hold the water to let it out to all the farmers and all the farmland. It's all based on that. So there's no really control of what's going to happen. You just kind of got to go with the water and one year it can be 20 full brim. And then by the end of the year, like this year, it, it was 25 feet below full pool. Wow. Now, which I, because that that's that's like a foreign subject for us over here is like for irrigation are there just like a whole bunch of pipes farmers like dropping hoses in and pulling water out or is it they just let it out in the, so in the rivers a, yeah it's a whole system like so i'm at the, we're at the top of the mountain then you got the dam that feeds like it feeds all the way through the middle of the city and then from there it branches out and the front you'll see like if you go down to the river you can see the farmers pulling it from the river i mean there's irrigation systems all over. There's canals that are the irrigation canals. I mean, it was meant, this lake, these lakes were meant to, you know, handle the agriculture out here. So we're at the mercy of the water table and, and then how much, you know, if it gets hot, everything dries up. So it's crazy to watch the lake drop 25 feet in a year, but then you get to learn what's underneath there. You get to see and you get to mark all kinds of new cool stuff, but it does change every year. So one year you could be fishing full pool and next year you're trying to find all these new humps that are 25 feet out of water. Now, does that, um, are you dealing with like a, like a big spring runoff, like of, of snow melt that, that fills this, or does it just fill up naturally with rain? You know, when, when well, so we don't get much, yeah, we don't get much rain up here. Like there's, I mean, there's, I don't even know how many feet of snow. There's tons and tons of snow up on the mountain. But the trick is if it 
heats up fast, it'll it'll literally flood everything out. So they have to blow out the lake and anticipate. You know, these scientists have to okay, let this much out. And if they guess wrong, then the lake is low and it doesn't fill up. And there's no little rain in the summer, so they kind of play Russian roulette and hopefully they get it right. That's interesting because you know I, I just I'm th- I'm seeing this dynamic you know in my head in that like we just have to hold back all of our spring runoff so we have all these army corps you know dams and stuff like that and you know it's kind of neat to hear that they're using it to keep crops alive whereas we're doing it to keep cities from washing away <laughs> yeah that is true yeah it's it's, it's crazy cuz if you came up here you could like i'd say maybe every 45 miles there's a a reservoir that leads to the next reservoir then leads to the next it all it's all going down downhill so it's all a system of if this lake's low you know the one above it's going to be low or and then you go up to the mountain if there's no snow up there it's going to be a dry year the rivers the rivers dry up they don't dry up but i mean you're you can be fishing a 10-foot hole one week and then three months later it's two feet you know the rivers will dry not dry up but they'll drop tremendously as well you guys get a lot of uh, scapees. I know, you know, we have a few smaller lakes in our area that uh, they use for flood control like that. And, uh, you know, you, you'd think, wow, they let all this water out. These fish are going to be stacked up. And you go out there, and I'll tell you what, I've always, the times that I used to do it years ago, we struggled to catch fish only to find out that, you know, somehow they're they're escaping. And, you know, the rivers get, the, the river downstream gets, uh a nice stalking of muskies somehow, you know, they get out through the, whatever the dam system is. And I, I find it really hard to get fish at that time, but, you know, when those waters are real low or do you guys just get them all through the season? So, I mean, what happened out here, this is like a two part answer, but we had an issue where we were finally growing our own muskies out here. They were doing the science, taking them, you know, the, the pike and the, the muskie and creating the tiger and we they had it down, and we had these rearing ponds. Well, the, they didn't think to put a fence up, and they get a phone call one day, when are you going to restock these ponds full of muskies and pike? Mm-hmm. And they're like, what do you mean? They're like, yeah, yeah we, there's nothing left. And long story short, they, they fished out all the fish that they had for their rearing program and wiped out stocking for a few years. So we're at the, we have like four years of missed stocking, so we had a bunch of fish about – I'd say seven years ago where you could see them everywhere. Now the numbers are low, but there's big fish, but there's, there's mm-hmm. a lot of age class missing. But as far as them washing down the river, um, mm-hmm. the dam is probably 150 feet. So there is people have caught tigers in the river. And as far as like 15 miles away in another lake, it's it, all it is is wipers and walleye. And they've caught a tiger in a shad lake that the water gets up to 80 degrees and, but yeah, they're in the river. People cut in the river. They caught the smallmouth getting washed out. But when they let all this water out one day, the next day they'll drop it, and all these, all the crappie and perch will be washed on the banks. And it just supposedly it's like really there's just it's like a big dead scene of washed up fish all over the banks of the river. So the muskies do get down, but you know every year you hear a couple of fish being caught, but not not mm-hmm. tremendous numbers because the dam is so big. And yeah, I'm sure there's another outflow somewhere but they make that 15 20 mile uh, river ride down to that lake called willard bay so have yeah. you ever tinkered around downstream 
I've only known one one person who legit who legitly caught fish, and they were fishing brown trout, ripping rapalas down in the river for big browns, and they caught they caught a must a tiger. So I don't. It's below my my pine view. It's a blue ribbon fishery for trout, and it's like fly fishing, and it's super packed. So you know awesome. the holes are super shallow. There there is deep holes, but it's like to go and target them. I mean, I don't. You're fishing two to three feet of water and then the six foot holes would be hard to really work unless you're going to run a bucktail or a spinnerbait or hop a tube or something. It's just, I, I got pine view in my backyard. I'm not going to go walk the yeah. river when I can go cover water on my boat. Yeah. Cause that, that, that's, that's interesting to me because like what Todd was alluding to those fish that, that like wash out and just show up in these smaller bodies of water. And then you brought up just this whole trout, you know, this trout thing, you're out west. That's like what people do out there, and I never thought you'd have that much competition for shore space. I, sh- I should kind of make it that way. But um, in those in those special, like, blue ribbon trout waters, is are you allowed to fish for anything else, or is there, like, a permit thing? Or is, you know, how, how regulated is that? So some sections are like, if they're fly only, they're going to be barbless, but this section is wide open. So it's just blue ribbon because of how many fish you can catch per, I think my, they go by like how many fish per mile. There's a bunch of fish. So that's how they really go off of it. But there's no, you can, people use bait, you know, you see bait fishermen catch them on worms, but then you got the hardcore fly guys who will fly fish the hatches and fish mm-hmm. the nymphs, you know, so you got a mix of your average Joe fisherman and then your hardcore, you know, Sims fly fishing guy has a thousand dollar setup versus your weekend warrior fishing for rainbows. So there's a mix of everything out here. Where were you originally from, Bryce? When you ended up in Utah for school, but where where, where were you from originally? I grew up fishing bass in Southern California and tuna out there. So kind oh, of a, wow. oh, a culture shock moving from LA to uh, I actually moved to Wyoming and I wanted to stay close so all my family could watch me play football. So I moved an hour away to Salt Lake. So. I've seen the extremes of the world. I went to the wild, wild west and left the beach. So <laughs> that's yeah, that's crazy. California. Yeah. I don't think there's any yeah. muskies in California yet. Hey, I tell you what, those tuna man, they they pull like oh yeah, like nobody's business. So <laughs> yeah, they're they're fun. Too. Yeah, we're not <laughs> dealing with apples and oranges now. <laughs> um. Yeah, like Vance just pulled up a a like Google Earth image of, of your reservoir, and the, the way that I would describe it to the people that are just listening to this is, to me, it almost looks like a turkey track. Is that it, it has like exactly. mm-hmm. you, you'd say that's accurate? Yeah, hundred percent. Yep, yep. It's got the the one little finger by the dam, and then the other four to the top to the east end. Yeah, it's uh. It's it's pretty unique in its shape. I mean, and for being like three thousand acres, I could see how that just by that layout, it could be very crowded. And um, it it's kind of interesting there. So you, when the water's low, like twenty five feet low, do they build the ramps obviously to accommodate that? Although it's it's long enough, but. Man, for as much money as they charge, you would think that ramp would be made of gold, but that thing is 
it's broke more trailers than anywhere else I know. But yeah, they they should make sure that when the water's low, because they'll work on the dam, so they'll have to drop the lake, and it, it's it's suitable to drop probably another fifteen feet. It, I've never seen it any lower than it was this year. So, so this year was your the lowest water year for you, to my knowledge. Yeah, this it was it was low. I don't I don't I can't remember another year that it was. So it was pretty bad this year. And how was? How would you say uh, the fishing was compared to other years? So this year was a good year for me, but overall, like from my buddies here in, the, in, the, in our Muskie East chapter, it was a tough year. Like there's a, there's some good, really, really big fish, and then there's there's just not the numbers. Definitely not the numbers. I mean, we've had years when, the, like two or three years ago, you know, our boats, some of the, the guys who fish it often were having 100 fish in their boat which for out here is pretty good in, you know, a four or five month period of fishing them. But Absolutely. it was tough. P- people struggled and like, it was a lot different because the fish just, there's not as many numbers. So, yeah. D- and what's the, uh, what's the regulation say if, uh, I went out alone and was trolling, how many rods could I run? So out here you can have two per person. So you can be running two baits, two rods. So that's all, that's the only real rule out here. You can't keep any fish at all. They're protecting them. They used to have a 40-inch or one over 40 you could keep. But luckily they removed that. So that's hopefully crazy. that never comes back because there's no reason to, you know, these tigers don't reproduce, so there's no reason for them to be taken. And with how many die in the summer from the Guggen's, overfighting them in 75 to 80 degree water it's pretty sad to see this piled up on the shore you know so uh yeah in the summertime how how hot does it get out there because i've vacationed out there and done the uh the national parks and stuff uh but that was in that was in later part of the year i think i did it in november but i've been out in that climate before and i mean it's it's hit like 100 degrees out there uh, so what does that, oh, yeah. what does that do, uh, to the, the reservoir water? You know, it, it, it does, it hits about a hundred. I mean, I think it hit, hits about 90 plus for about a month and a half. And the water out here this year, it got pretty hot. I think 78, you know, and then you go back in the bays that are full of choked out with weeds and it's even hotter, but a lot of that stuff by mid August, end of July is choked out. So we did have a time, I think, where everybody stopped fishing because the water was so warm, and we got a pretty solid group of people out here trying to advocate and protect these fish and educate others on how important it is to, to take care of them. But the water does get hot, but the good thing is it, it's a desert. It gets hot in the day, and it drops at night, and with having those river systems running into it, it also helps to cool it. I mean, it gets hot. Even with the water coming in, it gets hot. Those those summer days, that water coming in, that's primarily runoff from the mountains? It's just, yeah, it's just your, your river system running off from the mountains, exactly. Okay. Yeah, because once our snow melts, we don't have any more snow. Whereas, you know, I did do some fly fishing and stuff years ago in uh, Colorado, and that was that was the big thing that they kept talking about was you know, they didn't want too warm of a spring because they want water later on and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you just, I'm, I'm taking it in like this, you know, I'm not in Kansas anymore. And uh, 
so that's it's kind of interesting that you know you could be having a water source that would be feeding this lake that could that could be like substantially colder water moving water coming in or by the time it gets to the lake it's pretty much warmed up oh yeah the the, the lake above Pineview is called Kazi Reservoir and it it doesn't drop as much but it's a it's a much higher elevation lake and the water up there's pretty pretty cold so when it comes i think i'd say that's probably a 12 mile river run down to Pineview that that one dumps in so you always have that coming in which but it runs into a really shallow flat so in the summer that flat you know there's a river channel that's like 17 foot deep but the flat can be 10 feet so it's it, that water heats up faster it's than the deeper water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'm I'm kind of taking the long way here, but I was just like that that little river that you were talking about there. Do you notice these tigers like to stack up where maybe that it might even be four or five degrees colder water come coming in? Did does that have anything to do with with how these tigers react? So. uh did I give away something yeah, well, you didn't want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. So my buddy, he's a brown trout fisherman, a hardcore muskie fisherman. He's fished that river for years, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'll see muskies up that river, and why wouldn't a muskie want to slurp down a rainbow trout, a brown trout, versus trying to choke down a, a perch or a crappie with all the spines, you know? So I think with the cold water, the dumb trout, they can just gobble up. It's, it's a no-brainer. Of course, there's going to be fish going up there and, we do we do target it when we can, but if the water drops, you can't you can't get up there with with your boats. But yeah, there's fish that we find up in that river channel when it's coming in early in the year. So, but yeah, I had read gotta take advantage of what's coming in. So right, right. I had read some articles in, in you know Muskie Hunter years past about how these tigers like like these cold springs in the summer that are you know feeding these various lakes and you know what what have you. And I didn't know if that if that was something that you noticed or not, but you're not really a spring lake, you're a runoff lake. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, all right, so tell me about your boat. Um, you know, I started 12 years ago pounding shore, then I got I went to a 60-foot bass tracker with a 9.8, and it got seven miles per hour, and we put a lot of fish, and I upgraded to another 16-foot tracker with a 40, and now I run an 18-foot Aruma craft, and I, I used the money from my last fight to uh, step up my boat. I got a, you know, just a just a nice Aruma craft that we can zip around the, the lake, and when it gets nasty out, it handles the big waves, and I can run six six rods on my boat if we have three three or more people. So mm-hmm. much, it's a much better upgrade. And, it had good karma. I bought it last year from a guy who put a 51 in it. So he told me it's got big fish magic. And I was able to follow that up this year. So I love my Alumacraft. It's, it's much safer for my kids and just a much bigger, more solid boat than I've had. Um, what are the predominant months you, you're fishing? I mean, do you go out there now <clears throat> since it's, it's December right now? What's, what's the temperatures there like? 60 degrees in the day, 30. Oh, I wish. I just got off, I, it, I just got off the lake ice fishing. It was 19 degrees. So, Oh, my gosh. Um, it's, oh, jeez. It, it's like 12 degrees outside right now, I believe. It's, it's cold, but my pine view's frozen. 
I don't fish it because I don't think it's safe yet. But we can. We, I was catching muskies, I think, two years ago, casting big rubber baits up to December, like, 15th. But then it freezes, so, so it's pine year long. I mean, pine, that reservoir is up there in elevation then. I would imagine it's it's pretty. Yeah, I think it's six, five or 6,000 feet above sea level. Okay. Oh, geez, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you, you start noticing some mo- motor performance issues. I wouldn't say issues, but differences between, uh, like, where we're at and you start climbing up in elevation. Those oh, motors, absolutely. We those, have to. Yep. We have to change our boats when we go up to the, the lakes to go lake trout fishing. I mean, you can That's tell that there's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Don't like that thin air. Yeah, but people would, you know, you you would think it would be, like, warm all the time out there just because it's the desert and that. Because it's out west. Yeah. And when I went yeah. over there and did those five national parks, we were actually supposed to fish together, <laughs> me and you, Bryce. But that was, like, halfway through the vacation. Baker was going to set us up. Um, I know, I, dude. You yeah. missed out. Baker told me. I'm like, man. And I think we we hammered him that week that you're supposed to be out here. So <laughs> what's wrong with shame you, man? Well, shame. shame on you. I I hit I hit Salt Lake City, and then we started going south. I'm with Bryce. Shame on you. I know. I know. Dude, you're you're twenty twenty five minutes from my house. And it, Fifteen minutes from the lake. So yeah. And then Let's when I it. when I even like brought up fishing on on the vacation. I kind of got that look. You, wait, so you, you decided to drop it while on vacation, not discuss it prior to the vacation? <laughs> right, well, because, so we hit Salt Lake, and then, you know, I had this big itinerary, itinerary planned over there. There's five national parks. You can knock them, knock them off pretty quick, and they're all beautiful in their own respect. But when I'm driving on this show, I constantly allude to stopping at little bait and tackle shops. Okay. And so I would find these little bait and tackle shops, and I go in there, and I'm like, "Look at that picture of that muskie. That guy's standing there. It's crazy. Oh, Utah tigers. How about that?" And then I was, and I was like, "You know, there's a dude out here that's catching them all the time." <laughs> on, uh, on, on, and I and I saw it because you know Baker would put up a post, you mm-hmm. know, and then uh, that's how we got that's how we got hooked up there, but. It was like halfway through the vacation. I was miles away at the time from Salt Lake, and uh, yeah, the wife just was like, "Come on, you to know, be we, yeah, we uh, we just stopped fishing. That's what this vacation was for. No more." <laughs> but that would have been that would have been sweet. That You're talking sweet. about how beautiful these national parks are, but you know how beautiful tigers are. I know. I know. <laughs> Hey, well, the invitation's out there. Any of you guys want to come out? Like, I've taken a few people out, and we've had we've had some fun. I mean, these tigers are awesome, and you guys are welcome to come out and fish with me. They are, and they're for for where we're at, they're extremely rare anymore. Yeah, I mean, I even our, our state did. You know, back in the eighties, they put them in a lot of the lakes that we fish here in Pennsylvania and, uh, but that's sort of fizzled. There, there's a couple lakes that get them, but they're, they're, they're very rare. I, I haven't, I mean, I caught a real one up there at Lake St. Clair, but a natural tiger, but a couple years ago, last time I was there, but I mean, other than that, I caught one in years. They're, they're cool fish. We have some small lakes around and some of the people, that come to do charters with us are like, well, yeah, but I live over here in New York, and it's like it's all tigers. I wanted to get real muskies, and they show me the pictures of the tigers. I'm like, 
man, I'd, I'd like to catch one of them 45 inch tiger muskies because I, <laughs> you know, that's a nice looking fish. They're like, yeah, but they're, they're this, you know, I was like, no, that's a muskie to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're really cool. Yeah, they're beautiful. And a lot, I don't know if you know this, Bryce, but a lot of, on the lake that we fish at Chautauqua, uh, a lot of people confuse the fish that we catch as tigers, depending on the time of the year with how barred up and spotted they are. Um, they'll be like, well, that's a, you know, a big tiger. It happened maybe three years ago. Todd got a 50 and a quarter with uh, his daughter. And the thing was barred up like crazy. And uh, people were like, there's tigers back in Chautauqua Lake. It, it was pretty neat. Not, but, not but, the case, but, but it's yeah. not the case. Well, it's funny because I posted pictures like, oh, that's, a, that's not a tiger. I'm like, come on, man. Like, that's a, it's just funny, people. <laughs> that's not a tiger. I'm like, dude, that's all they have to. I wish I, wish I, I, wish I was lying to you, but I mean. No, your no. fish look like tigers. Pictures I've seen every time I see them. They're awesome. I can't believe people would say that, that that's not a tiger. <laughs> on your, from a Utah muskie. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, and then then everybody's like, "Oh, he's from Utah." I was like, "Oh, that's not a that's a pure muskie." I'm like, "Okay." Yeah. Whatever. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got the only one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, put another one in there, and you'll have a breeding population. Yeah. Area man. Oh man, don't say that. They're, they're going to go. They'll tell everybody to kill him. Is that they'll freak out out here? <laughs> Are there crazy yeah. regulations in the reservoirs that you've? that you're fishing in uh, on types of trout. So I remember if the, no, well, yeah, it's pretty tight. <laughs> I mean, cause there was, there was some, when I was out there, I think I was, I think it was in Jackson. Uh, and, I love it out there, except it's really expensive. And, uh, the lake that was around, I think it was like Yellowstone Lake. If you caught a specific trout, you had to kill it. Yeah, like a cutthroat or something, but it was just in that lake. So, is there anything like that going on at Pine View or any of the other reservoirs? Not in Pine View, but like there is some spots where they want you to kill a fish because they they're the aggressive fish and they want them taken out. Like they want the the uh, what's the word the the native fish to survive. Yes. But you got brown trout who are just vicious and they're not soft like a cutthroat who isn't aggressive and. So we've got native cutthroats that they're trying to protect, but then we got a world-class pike lake out here that they said, nope, we want the native fish to be safe, and so it's a catch-and-kill on pike, and this lake was producing 49ers pike. Oh, wow. And they're, they're like, let's, let's wipe them out, and it's just, it's crazy. The thought process is 15 years behind, like, the pike are huge in this lake, and it's just, they wiped them out in a couple of years. That's where, like, an organization like Muskies Inc. and you guys, your chapter out there can, you know, puff your chest up a little bit and educate the... Not here. <laughs> no? They wish, man. Is it, no, they, like, they're not listening. So, this is how bad it is. Like, there's lakes where they put in these native fish and they get overrun by, like, chubs or, or other kind of just trash fish and they'll literally just kill the whole lake and start fresh. They'd rather literally put rotin on and kill the whole lake and start fresh and then go through the same process oh, just geez. to kill everything. The like, ga- the game commission. Like yeah, the, 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 the fisheries. The fisheries, yeah. 
what they'll do is they'll put tigers in the lake to control these trash fish in hopes of not having to kill it. But you got these elitist fly fishermen, trout people who are like, no, I want my trout lake. And, well, let's kill it off and wait three years for your rainbows and your cutthroats to come back and have well, something that you, the power baiters can catch from the shore, you know? The power baiters. The power baiters. Blue power baiters. <laughs> and you said... And you said there's you have some lakes out there that have the 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 wipers the the white bass hybrids. Yeah, there we have a, yeah. we have a few lakes, and so there's those are those and tigers are what they bring into these lakes that have yeah those overabundance of the chubs in hopes to control the population of this yeah. overland species plus control those wipers. Did do you think that that's a, it's a noticeable improvement? I mean, I, I guess so, I'm looking at it. I'm like, I'm thinking it'd be really hard to quantify whether or not adding these these fish are really going to do anything because, and you know, and this is not very pro musky what I'm about to say, but if if the musky guys are saying, well, don't worry, these our, our muskies won't eat all your walleyes and perch and crappy, but by the way, we're going to put these in to eat all these other fish that you guys don't want. It's just it's just weird conundrum. But anyways. Uh, do you have anything to say about that? Yeah, so we have a lake that used to be a trophy uh, brown trout fishery, and it got overrun by, you know, stunted perch, and so they said, let's put some kokanee in there. Okay, kokanee survived. It's, good. it's a great lake for kokanee. And they're like, let's put tiger muskie. Tiger muskie, it's a, this has got flooded timber. I mean, it's, a, it's honestly a, a perfect lake for tigers. But, you know, you think that a lake that's, I'd say, maybe 4,000, acres a little bit bigger than our lake that they could put a ton of fish in but that's the problem like they'll overstock a lake that's a thousand acres with say thirty thousand tigers yet pine you get six thousand like it's just like those numbers are real like thirty thousand these 30, are yep I, it's about yeah this is this is close it's 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 pretty close and so they had a whole bunch of fish this year and they dumped them into a couple of lakes, but Piney, the biggest, the most notorious, one of the, you know, the best tiger lakes in the country gets the smallest amount and then all the fish die. So they had, they got, they all caught a disease and there goes the stocking again. And I don't know why they're not buying fish if the budget is hurt, but to me, like these lakes that can handle more fish should get them and the lakes that don't are getting overpopulated. And then uh, it's a thousand acre lake that gets, you know, all the water drained out of it and all the fish get wasted. It's a waste of, just a waste. Hmm. Hey, Bryce, you, you said something there earlier. Of what, you said kokanee? Yeah, they put kokanee in this lake that uh, has okay, tigers so now. I have no idea what a, what a kokanee is. It's a landlocked, uh, it's a landlocked salmon. I can't remember. Okay. It's, yeah, it's, and they, they're prolific. They, they spawn, they can, they're great out here. They grow great. They taste good. They have like a three to four year lifespan. They, they mature, then they die. They oh, go up okay. the river, spawn. And yeah, it's, it's just a really good lake that will help feed the tigers. So the tigers will get fat because they school up. And mm -hmm. it's just a really cool looking fish. They're those red fish with a big old hook jaw. Um, oh, okay. Like a landlocked uh, salmon type thing. Nice. Exactly. I've never heard of them. Yep. Yeah. Typically, if you had to guess... They, okay, so the, so the uh, fisheries puts in tigers. Are they putting them in like little fries? Or are they putting them in eight inch, ten inch, twelve inch, 
20 inch they're small they're like a, they're no i think they're three to four inches okay so they're getting gobbled up by the perch and the crappie and the bass but they were dumping a, a huge number because it's cheaper to to throw you know yeah. 30 to forty thousand small ones and say 10 percent make it you get three thousand you know whatever the number is but then that, that's what they were doing so what what would be a typical lifespan that, that you feel a a tiger in your area would live so from the so we we actually the the cha- the chapter out here we did a fin clip we've done a fin clip with the dnr the you know the gaming fish and we also tag fish so from their research it's rough guess eight to ten years is about the lifespan so if you had a, like some really awful year classes and some terrible natural things that happen, you could literally wipe a lake out if you string these yeah. enough together. Exactly. And when I look at the glory days, say 10 years ago, we would go out and we would, I mean, it was insane how many fish you would see, how many, how much action you would get compared to what there is now. Maybe they've, the numbers are down, but the fish have got smarter. You know, they, the whole how we used to catch them 10 years ago is different than we catch them now, but you know, everything changes. It just, the, the numbers are down and that's the biggest thing. So it can traumatic, dramatically change things. We caught a ton of fish in that 26 to 32 inch range this year. And next year there'll be 30 to 38. And then you're just going to notice a year class that dies off here in maybe four years. And that's the sad, that's super sad because those monster fish, like my big one, I caught the big ones, I'd say over 47, have these heads on them that are just, it, the heads on them are ridiculous. I mean, it it's crazy to see how big of a head these fish have. Do you, do you, <clears throat> the, the, those older, bigger fish, the ones that seem to break the mold, you know, that, that don't top out at 38, 40, but actually start reaching towards that 50-inch mark, do are they living longer or are they just growing faster? No, so from the research, I mean, from what I've heard, what I've learned, they grow fast up till like thirty six, and then after that. So here, let me give you an example. So my big one I caught this year, it's been caught over the last I think I'd say five years by two of my buddies, and that's pretty crazy. It shows catch and release works. You know, we caught it within a a thousand yard area of each other. And they're all, they're both other guys, my buddies. Um, when it was caught originally it's 50 inches, two years later, it was caught. It was 52. And when I caught it this year, you know, I had my kids, it, it passed 52 inches. And that's all I can say. I, it, it, I went into shock and it was a monster and, you know, two years not to grow, but I, I, I didn't get the measurement. I, I had a thing of when I catch big tigers, I kind of become a kid for Christmas, and I kind of lose all thought. And I got a good girth measurement, but it was a big fish. But yeah, it's it's about two year, two inches. I either in two years for that fish. My buddy caught a fifty-two that grew two inches in one year. So we've got some pretty good science on the different growth rates, which is pretty cool. Cause my buddy caught a 50 inch then two years or a year later, about almost a year to date, my buddy caught it as 52. So I remember, I remember when you, I remember when you, uh, you caught that fish, you sent me a message. You were like, I did it. And I was like, what's up? <laughs> and you're like, I 
Because you didn't get a 50-inch. That was your goal was to get a 50-inch tiger. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember at it, 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 Chicago, you were like, they're in there. And I'm like, you're no kidding. You know, that would be unbelievable to see a 50-inch tiger. And then a couple months later, you're sending me a picture of that hog with the giant, yeah, and those giant really head. Those, those truly are those, the biggest tigers in the Biggest That's tigers in the, in the world. <laughs> they just are. I don't know what the <laughs> world record tiger must be. <laughs> giant head, giant fins. Just unbelievable. It's, yeah. e- it's really uh, easy to act like a kid on Christmas when that happens. Why don't you run us through that that experience? Like what happened that day? So, uh, what a better day to get it with the kids and stuff. It's awesome. Exactly. So it's funny because the bait I caught it on is a good friend of mine. And I'm like, hey. When he when I got the bait before it came out, he's like, "I'm like, dude, I'm gonna catch my biggest fish ever. Like, this is gonna this bait is gonna be it." And the first year I got it, we pounded a lot of smaller fish and fish up to 44. And then me and my kids went out. Um, I just fought about a, three weeks before, so it was time just to enjoy fishing. And the weather was horrible, man. And I was fishing what what we call big fish day and. I had moved a fish, a mid-40 inch fish, 44 to 46, you know, a good fish, and came in hot, and the weather was turning, so I figured, man, I want to give her about a half hour, an hour to, before I come back on her, on this weed bed in open water, and I said, no, the wind's blowing, let's, let's hit it, so I swing around, only gave her 15 minutes to really go back to where I seen her, I cast to the same spot, my kids are arguing in the back, the music's going, I'm just burning this I caught on a true glide guppy and uh, with the paddle tail, burning it in. I figure eight, the fish comes up underneath the boat and just T-bones it and then turns around and looks at me, and I'm like, oh, I knew she didn't have hooks. She just had the bait in her mouth. So I, I lay the wood. I just blast. I just lay into her the opposite way of where, she, where her head was and didn't move. And I, I knew the hooks still weren't in her, and so she just turned around and swam off away from me, and I blasted her again and I managed to get one one of the back treble hooks in her lip, and my son is freaking out. I'm freaking out. I said, grab the net. And I'm like, cool. You know, it was a big fish. For, I was thinking 46, 48. My son goes to scoop her up, and, yeah, he uh, hooks the hooks on the outside of the net, and I'm sure you guys have been there. And I'm like, oh. Nope, never. <laughs> some, not, not, not very good words. I'm like, Son of a bitch. I'm, there goes my biggest fish. And so I'm like, I, gra- I grab the net from him. I flip it over, and she just stood there and went right in the net. As soon as she hit the net, bait came out. and oh my I'm pretty excited. Wow. You know, I'm like, cool. This is a, this is a good fish. Like, I, I got on FaceTime with my buddy. I'm like, dude, I got a big one. I don't know how big it is, but you're going to be witness when I, when I do this. So, you know, I'm just, she's in the water thrash. And I'm, like I said, I, I figured 46, 48 one of my bigger fish ever and get her to the back of the boat and pull her out, lay her on the bump board and head first, you know, and she passes 50 and I'm like, oh, yeah, I started speaking French and Japanese and you know, <laughs> I'll be excited. Whereas my kids like, don't swear dad. I'm like, I don't, I, yeah. So past 52 and my buddy's on the other phone, just, I can hear him on speaker and on FaceTime just screaming. He's like, how big is a girl? So I put her back in and, dirt there and it the rest was history i mean it it still sits in my mind she came up under the boat didn't even see her glad i did a figure eight you know like they do it after every cast and 
it, it, it's yeah i'm still get excited about it my kids were there my son helped me net it and i mean he didn't do the best job but we got in the net that's all that matters <laughs> <laughs> I can't, it, it, I can't believe show. you had that on the outside <laughs> rim. Uh, like that giant fish, the hooks hit the outside of the bag. I mean, you had to be shitting yourself. I'm not going to I mean, like I said, I, I soon as it hooked on, I'm like, because my son went to scoop and he's, the net, you know, those big nets are a lot of work yeah, to move sometimes. He's and probably big as the net. Yeah. And it just stood there when it was hooked. I'm like, oh, I always just thrashed. And I just literally flipped it over and he went right in and. My son's like, I'm so sad. I'm like, it don't matter. We got her in, you know. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And then, like, five minutes later, I sent the pic to a few of my buddies who were in a musty zinc meeting. And my buddy's like, that's uh, that's my buddy JC's 52. And my buddy's Jared's 50 that they all caught. And I caught it about 500 yards where it was last caught two years ago. So that's pretty, sad. pretty neat to show what catch and release can do. There's a scar on her back that we all identify our fish by. There's a bunch of scars on these bigger fish. And That's so cool. Awesome. That's so cool. Have you, with that story, have you caught a pure muskie? I have, yeah. I, I caught a few. Um, actually, my first fish over 50 was on Vermilion and, you know, figure 850 and I messed up a 55 that my buddy ended up catching about two hours after I missed her. They went back and stuck her. She's 55. I don't know how what her girth was, but it was 55. It was the biggest fish I've ever seen in my life. Okay. So, so you got you have awesome, a man. you have a fifth a 50 inch tiger and a, a 50 inch pure. Yes, sir. Very cool. So you've taken so you take some trips occasionally, obviously. Yeah, I'm very I'm very fortunate. Uh, I have some good friends in Minnesota, um, Joe Peterson, um, Jeremy Knudsen, and I'm friends with my buddy Matt. He guides out on Vermilion, and we went out there, and that's how when I stuck my my monster was on his boat. So Nice. Very, very cool. Um, I guess, is there is there anything else you want to add to this? I love the musky fish. Price, <laughs> <have a> <laughs> I'm addicted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, awesome. Yeah, the, the mic's yours. I mean, if you want to, uh, if you want to hit up your plugs, if you want to have any questions or anything, just you know, we can go ahead and uh, you know wrap things up. I, I'm just, Utah's <clears throat> Utah just seems so cool. I. Uh, I would love to get back out there, you know, bucket list. Uh, one of those tigers out, out in those reservoirs. I think it's so neat that the the musky region goes all the way out there to the, the, mm -hmm. that side. Uh, the further west safe. you go, the more stripey they get. Yeah. Yeah. Do yeah. you do any hunting, Bryce? I, <clears throat> I, grew up, I grew up hunting in Wyoming, but Utah's pretty hardcore. And musky season is the best time when it's deer hunting season. So I yeah. chose, yeah. It's, done. it's an easy choice. So, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Excellent. Well, hit up yeah. your plugs again and we're going to, we'll wrap this one up here. Bryce. Oh, you know, if you guys want, anybody wants to ever come out to Utah, my door is open. I've taken people from Wisconsin, Minnesota, Illinois, we just want to share what we have and protect these tigers and 
share the knowledge that we've had and share what we have and how lucky we are out here. And if you want to spice up your life, get some of that ninja rub. There you go. Heck yeah. Stuff's fire. Let them, uh, let them know you heard on the podcast. So, yeah. uh, thank you guys for having me on. Hey, I enjoyed hearing all the story. That was, that was cool. That was really cool about, you know, a whole different world, but essentially fishing for the same fish of, of just, just across that big, great plains, start climbing those mountains. Oh, one, one last question. Jones or, uh, Gustafson, whatever his name is. Oh man. That's a hard one, you know, because I believe in hard work. The guy tested positive and Jones is an awesome fighter, but it makes you wonder how long he's got away with stuff. But I like to see the underdogs home see Gustafson knock him out. I do too. I do very badly. That's a there's a big UFC fight. <laughs> yeah, I, I figured so much. It's it's kind of funny because I was about to say I'm like I really don't know who you're talking about. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna watch that tomorrow. Even though my sister was was pro, but yeah, <laughs> I don't even know. So <laughs> yeah, but uh, all right. Big thanks, Fatty Z Muskie Products, FattyZMuskie.com, Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, MCFishingGuides.com, Ranger Boats, probably just Google search Ranger Boats, along with St. Croix Rods, Vicks Marine Sports Center, Kent, Ohio, and Muskies, Inc. We will be at the Muskies, Inc. booth at the Columbus Fishing Expo in February. And other than that, I mean, it's been fun. Thanks, thanks for joining us, and uh, Happy New Year.